Did you get a chance to watch The Bachelor last night? I uh, did not yet. I, I had to finish editing a, uh, a podcast that I was making with my friend Ethan last night that we had uh, to get out. Hello? Hey, Matt. Liz. Yeah, hey. 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 Um, did, you, did you get a chance yet to watch The Bachelor? Uh, I'm going to do it uh, tonight, I promise. Okay, okay. Um, all right, just, we just got to make sure you watch it before the interview. Yes, yes, I know. I will. I am. I'm going to. It's, I, uh, yes, it will definitely happen. Just calling to see if you were able to watch it. I didn't have a chance. I'm sorry. So you'll watch tonight? Yes, yes. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm going to watch it with my wife, Julie. She's excited to also see what all the fuss is about. Were you able to watch your, the episode of The Bachelor? Yes, we watched uh, like an hour of it. I didn't realize this was like a two-hour show. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay, but we got started. Welcome to Bachelor First Impression, the show where I force someone who has never watched The Bachelor to watch an episode of The Bachelor. They record their first impressions. No one is touching this beautiful charcuterie plate. There's like salami and olives. Gonna eat, man. You don't think they're ever gonna eat? And then we talk about it. It's just like sad. Just so, so sad. The whole thing is just profoundly sad. Deeply sad. My guest today is Matt Kleinman. He's a comedy writer in Los Angeles. He's written for Adult Swim, The Onion, Funny or Die, and more. He watched episode three of Colton's season of The Bachelor with his wife, Julie. Wait, what? I don't understand. People can steal each other? Were they all doing each activity? So he gets the rose. What's the rose for? Do they eat all the charcuterie? Oh, so the girl gets to have a date? I just don't understand. I wish, are there rules? Are there any rules? Who the fuck is this? I've never seen this person. Do we know how old Colton is? Do they see the date? How many are there? It feels like there's like 50. Why doesn't he live at the house? This big house. What? Who the fuck is this person? So the girl is going to pull the car. Is that how you win? I just don't understand the parameters of this universe. So, Matt, can you tell me what happened in this week's episode? The Bachelor, uh, uh, Colton, took... Uh, the ladies, the bachelorinas, the bachelorettes, the victims. He took some of the victims, a random selection of the victims, some unspecified number of victims for some random reason to a pirate restaurant, a pirate like show restaurant where you sit down and watch a thing while you eat stuff. And uh, the victims got there and Colton did like a little pirate play. And then the ladies fought each other. The victims, sorry. The victims then fought each other, victimizing each other further. At the end, one of them kissed Colton at the top of the pirate ship for all of the spectators who were eating turkey legs. I feel like their definition of fun is like different than what a normal human is. This is so strange. And so she's like, I'm going to find the severed hand and use it to play with his dick. He doesn't seem to be into it. Then back at the house, all the other victims are doing nothing. It's very unclear to me what the other women are doing. This feels like that Sister Wives show that we watched. The documentary. Yeah. We watched some documentary show about Sister Wives and it was like so sad. But it was the same kind of thing. Like the husband 
would have dates with one of the wives and then the rest of them would just feel terrible about themselves. Yeah. I just feel so sad. Then Colton went back to the house and then him and the ladies started doing one-on-ones? Or Sorry, the victims. Him and the victims started doing one-on-ones. But it was this weird thing where if one of the victims wanted to replace another victim to talk to Colton, they could go in and just kick them out for any reason. And but the whole point was they were there to impress Colton, you know, who's like their boss. You know, the whole thing actually makes a lot more sense if you see Colton as their boss, and they're all employees trying to impress their boss. But why? How could anyone actually like the man? Well, I'm sure some of them would actually like him. But like, given the parameters of all of this and what's going on, like, so how there's is like it not, not even a way well, to find out whole, if you like him. Yeah, it's just a it's a power dynamic. The whole thing is just a power dynamic. You think that? That's why they're attracted to him, is because he's the bachelor. But he's their boss. Am I doing the job good? That's all of them. But that like even what you're describing makes more sense than this show. <laughs> then the next morning, Colton takes one lucky employee on a helicopter trip to San Diego. I like that they're going to San Diego. That's oh. where I'm from. So he's- oh, they're gonna hang out in Belmont Park. It's mostly for kids. The roller coaster's okay, but there's really not much there for adults. Then he takes the employee slash victim out to a nice dinner and dancing. Meanwhile, all the other women, the victim employees, are back at the house doing nothing for a full fucking day. I assume they can't see their friends and family. Then Colton takes all of the employees to the gym so that they can prove which employee is the strongest with the help of Terry Crews and Terry Crews's wife. Seems very important to everybody for them to have a good day. Then the boss came back and had a cocktail party with all the other employees. But the, it, well, it was supposed to be a cocktail party, but it ended up being a pool party which everyone was excited by, but they were sad for a brief instant when they thought there was no cocktail party at all. I, I whatever the employees they were all then there trying to have one-on-ones with their boss again but everybody got mad because only two employees really got to have their one-on-ones and they're both kind of in like some sort of spat and that made the boss frustrated frustrated frustration is something that happens when you're trying to do something and you can't <laughs> Like, he's not doing anything. So then, after all the one-on-ones, the boss decides which employees to fire. And so he fired three employees. But, oh, uh, but then, well, no, because he had fired an employee the night before at the rooftop after the strength uh, competition. He fired one employee seemingly out of nowhere and without any grounds. And it shocked that employee. And then it, it shocked everyone. It was, it was a, a touch of cruelty from the boss that has everyone on edge because they didn't know that he could fire somebody the night before the scheduled firings. Why is he acting like he didn't have a choice to let that girl go when he yeah. let the girl go for literally no reason? I don't know. He didn't like her. What I, I think that's a totally defensible decision. But doesn't he like not like three quarters of these girls? Yeah, that's He true. like hated one and got rid of her like a day before when like it was part of the show that he was supposed to get rid of somebody? Is it part of the show? I don't know. We have no evidence of that. That's true. We don't know anything about this show. 
So yeah, then the boss gave the roses to the employees that he wanted to keep around so that they can continue doing their job, which is kissing him. So you and Julie, you're happily married, just bought a house together. What similarities and differences do you see between your and Julie's early dating and Colton's early dating? Between us and what was happening on The Bachelor? We did go to Belmont Park, so that would probably be the most similar thing. That was very similar. We went to San Diego, and we went to Belmont Park, and we rode the roller coaster, and we had a nice time. We did not go to that restaurant. I don't know what that restaurant was, but emotionally... I saw nothing in this episode that I could relate to as a human being. So rewrite this episode. You're in the writer's room. You get this version of the script. What's your feedback? Well, I guess if I had to rewrite this episode as a writer. um, Okay. The highlight of the episode by far was when he took the red-haired lady to San Diego because then at least that was something happening. Like, a thing occurred, an event happened. So that was good. I would, like, keep that. And then also the the the, the only thing with any emotional resonance happened when the red-haired lady told him that story about how her sister just lost her baby during pregnancy. Like, that was, like, a real thing that, like, people can relate to or can feel empathy about and... You know, the you could do a whole episode about something like that or a whole thing about that. So that was like good. So I guess the I guess the like the story to me would be that he goes off and has this real experience with a person. So like he's like the story that I would write would be about a guy who's having like a fake experience and then he has a real experience, a real emotional connection with somebody and then he goes back to the fake experience he was having before that and realizes how fake it is and that he wants to go be with this woman that he had the real thing with. But that's not what happened at all. Well, yeah, I mean, there aren't writers on The Bachelor, so I guess it was a silly question. Reality television is a way of skirting union rates and regulations because they do not have a traditional writer's room. They don't have to pay writer's union rates. Instead, they have producers doing essentially the same type of job. And even though those producers don't consider themselves writers, they're still doing that job and they're kind of getting fucked over because they're not getting the same protections that writers would or that they would if they were writers. So I'm in the Writers Guild East, and all scripted television shows have to have union writers because networks are union signatories. So the Writers Guild, what they do is that we pay dues, and then they organize and they agree upon a standard set of rates that writers should get paid depending on the type of television show that you're on. So if you work on a late-night television show, there's a scale base rate that you get paid. And then if you work on a scripted shows, there's, like, tiers, there's, like, staff writer, uh, story editor. It's just a way of being able to make a career out of being a uh, professional writer. Even if you're bouncing between shows, you still go up the scale, you still get raises, that sort of stuff. You're supposed to be able to make a living as a writer for television. Since television makes plenty of money for everybody involved, and so the union makes sure that, all the unions make sure that everybody gets paid their fair share of that. And you get residuals, they organize that. Okay, but these are script writers. What does that have to do with reality TV? The whole reason that reality TV exists is because 
the people didn't want to pay writers anymore. So the writer's strike in 2007 was a huge turning point for this stuff because reality television was ascendant on cable. And when the writer's strike happened, the networks realized one, they needed TV shows. They like production stopped on like 60 TV shows. And so they needed something to put on air. They developed and rapidly put up reality TV shows on now network without union staffs, and then those shows did just as well as the scripted shows. So then network TV started producing a lot more reality and did a lot less scripted dramas and comedies. And that trend kind of has continued through till today. Actors are in the Screen Actors Guild, which operates slightly differently. Being an actor is very difficult, and there are all these like very you know, challenging aspects of being an actor that are even divorced from the art of it. I mean, you know, being an actor is about communicating ideas and making them feel truthful on screen, but also being an actor, you know, you have to deal with, like, the lack of privacy, you know, the all the scrutiny, the, like, you know, the battle with your own narcissism and having to deal with, like, image issues and stuff like that. So, like, reality TV is, like, taking all the bad parts of being a performer, all of the that shallow stuff, and then divorcing it from the whole purpose of acting in general, which is to do like cool work and to get like art out to people. So it's all the bad stuff and all the good stuff. And reality TV shows certainly aren't getting the contracts and the residuals and the same pay rates that actual actors are getting. But they're famous now. They have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. Sure. I mean, isn't that something? No. Instagram is about to replace reality TV. Like, all television is being undermined by the internet, but really, like, social media. And social media is fulfilling a lot of the same needs that people are getting from reality TV. And yeah, sure, I'm sure a bunch of influencers are making a bunch of money, getting spawn con deals and all that sort of stuff. But how long is that going to last? And and what are these people even learning how to do other than, like, self-branding and learning how to sell themselves out faster and quicker to big brands the whole point of making drama of making you know a play of making something uh, was that you wanted someone wanted to communicate ideas that they thought were important to the people who lived in the world the same time as them and you know and then we made this you know machine that allowed us to like broadcast that stuff to everybody and and then i you know i guess with this progression of like we started getting rid of the people who had those original thoughts the 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 things that the writers who had the ideas that we wanted to communicate we got rid of that and that was just reality tv and then reality tv at least still had some semblance of a show of drama of like the producers you know i mean I'm, that is a skill set i'm sure there are i know there are gifted producers who like craft these things and and make them into shows but then social media you're just getting rid of even that now it's just people immolating themselves in front of all of humanity for what purpose for what greater good other than just like depressing us all it's it's this clear progression where once you get unions out of the system, uh, you know, and then the system starts collapsing and it's just pure unadulterated capitalism running the show. There's no gatekeepers anymore protecting art from capitalism. It's just the the pure money shit all the time. All the, 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 the greed and the narcissism and the, the, the vanity all just crammed at you from screens in the most addictive form that we've ever 
created. Do you feel this way about Instagram or all social media? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel this way about all of them. I mean, like last year, uh, I did this interview for Vulture after Funny or Die fired all of their editorial staff. And, you know, I wasn't working there at the time, but I had a lot of friends that did, and I had worked at a lot of websites. And, it, you know, this whole article was about how Facebook is killing comedy, it's killing websites. And over the past year, you've just seen this happen over and over. You know, websites are dying. BuzzFeed just laid off like 100 people. Huffington Post just laid off a bunch of people. These were the websites that were supposed to be the ones that, like, were able to survive in the age of social internet. And it, it, they're not. All institutions are dying right now, and it's because social media is eating all media. Where there was once this big open platform where anyone could kind of make an institution and make something cool and new, now there's just three or four websites, platforms that have substituted for all of that, and they run the show. So, for example, like even like BuzzFeed, like BuzzFeed.com stopped being their website. Their website started becoming Facebook.com slash BuzzFeed. Everyone's website is just the slash after Facebook.com. You know, it used to be you made a website and you sold banner ads or whatever, annoying banner ads, and those funded the websites. But now all of those ad revenues are being taken up by Facebook because people aren't going directly to websites. Remember the time when your fingers would just fill in URLs into the URL bar, CNN.com, NewYorkTimes.com, all this sort of stuff. You know, people don't go to CNN.com or NewYorkTimes.com or TheOnion.com anymore. They just go to their Facebook page and just wait for that feed to come to them. And so all websites are dying, the whole internet's dying. And what's happening here is that Facebook is realizing they don't need writers, they don't need websites, they don't need anybody making content to make ad revenue. They just need people, you know, making extreme statements and gluing themselves to their feeds and selling ads off of our own interactions between each other. So it seems like you have a kind of hierarchy. At the top is scripted television, then reality is less acceptable. Um, but not nearly as bad as what's at the very bottom, which is the worst of the worst, social media. But you did seem pretty disturbed by The Bachelor, and at one point you said you, you feel sad, you feel sad watching it, you feel sad making fun of it. So I do have to ask, do you think it's a bad thing that I'm making this podcast? <laughs> no, no. Look, you had me on, so this has to be a good show. <laughs> Why are you doing it? Why do you like this? I mean, you dropped your whole life to go do this stuff, right? Yeah, I, I moved to LA to work in reality TV. Why? You thought because it was like frivolous, you wanted to do something that didn't mean anything, and now I'm telling you that this is actually like a cycle of abuse that you're participating in. How does that feel? Thanks for listening. You can hear more from Matt on his podcast, Syncing Up. It's on SoundCloud and soon to be on iTunes.